Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today. The reading in Hosea today is part of his commentary about the corruption of the cult of the time, um, the reading on chapter 8, verses 4 through 13, begins saying, Thus says the Lord, They made kings in Israel, but not by my authority. They established princes, but not without my approval. Here the prophet is speaking in the name of God, and it is not because Hosea is against the monarchy, but because there are so many conspiracies in the royal courts, so many terrible evil acts being done. The kings are not chosen by God. One family member is killing another one. One of the episodes we talked about a grandmother who kills all her grandchildren to make sure that her second son is able to ascend to the to the throne. So people going against the ordinances of what is good and true and beautiful and following the way of life take matters into their own hands and do not allow kings to be chosen by a natural harmony, but they take matters into their own hands. And not only that, once Jeroboam I had introduced the separation of the northern kingdom from the southern kingdoms, uh, introduces a calf, and the reading today talks about it is silver and gold idol made for their own destruction and how can you return to the innocence of Israel is is the longing that Hosea senses in God's heart for his people to return to rightful paths and everything in the next verses talks about the works of the artisan are not pursuing beauty anymore, not even beauty of the heart, because they are trying to create things that are going to be part of idolatries. And it concludes saying, though I write my many ordinances for them, they offer sacrifices in the wrong way that are not pleasing, and now they're going to be punished. I took them out of Egypt out of slavery, and they're about to go back into slavery. They're uh, losing their way. They have chosen ways of death, and they do not allow me to have part in their life. This reminds us to set our hearts on the things above, to focus, as Paul tells us in Philippians, on what is true, what is noble, if there is anything that is praiseworthy, to focus and dwell in these things, particularly in times of unsettled news when we pick up the 
phones and we're listening to the news or we're watching television and we're seeing the things that are going on in the world, let us set our hearts and our minds and our souls in the things that are true and good and beautiful so that when all of those winds of negative news come through, we can still know that God is on the throne. Listen to the gospel today in Matthew 9, verses 32 through 38. It has two parts. The first one talks about a demoniac who could not speak and was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed. I have always wanted to know what that mute man might have said right there. But what we hear is about the amazement of the crowds. And what we hear is nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. So if we think back at the psalm we were just reading, that the idols have eyes and have ears and have mouths, but they do not speak, they do not communicate. And here is Jesus acting in ways that had never been seen bringing a whole new way of acting and being and loving in the world. And look at what the Pharisees say then. He drives out demons by the prince of demons. We want to pay attention in this reading to how these leaders, these religious leaders are showing up. They're showing up with judgment and they are not able to respond to the needs of people. But Jesus goes around the towns and the villages and he's doing three things. He's teaching in their synagogues and he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God using the texts of the time in the synagogues, expanding them and saying, the new kingdom is here. And then curing every disease and illness, which is part of the way he fulfills prophecies. But it's also part of putting actions to the words so that people can see. These verses conclude with, at the side of the crowds, Jesus' heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. These verses are part of the reason this inner room exists. The, the feelings that Jesus expresses are profound he welcomes all his feelings and invites us to welcome them as well, to align them behind our will so that they can be fuel for our actions. At the sight, he is moved with pity because they were troubled like a sheep, like a sheep without a shepherd. And he says to the disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. Ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. And that is you and me laboring to bring the kingdom of God. This idea that Jesus' heart is moved with pity is one of the most beautiful ones for me in the Gospels because not only would I mention that he fully engages his emotions, he doesn't shut them off, he lets them flow, he feels them. They become a bridge to others and he remains vulnerable and open. We must learn to speak how we feel. We must learn not to let that guide us but learn to say, I feel this, so that then we can align those feelings behind our actions. Unfortunately, the word for pity in English is not really as good as in other languages. And you know that in other episodes, I've, I've gone back to the Hebrew because it's so important 
Saint Jerome, who was so amazing as a translator in the fifth century, um, also looked at the Greek. And Mark, this is the author that uses this word. I don't know that I'm going to say it very well for those of you that are my Greek friends. I hope I learned to say it well. But it is splanchnizomai. I probably didn't say it right. But this is the word that Mark uses in another text. And what it means is that Jesus is moved in his guts. So this isn't just sadness. This is much more of a guttural, intense, emotional response looking at the people that are following him and seeing that they need a shepherd. So the contrast we see here is between the Pharisees in the previous verses that come immediately to judge Jesus and Jesus who is someone they could follow. So he's fulfilling the mission to shepherd the people that we learned in Jeremiah when we were reading Jeremiah some episodes ago. And Jeremiah says, Woe to the shepherds who mislead and scatter the flock of my pasture. This has been a time with in our own churches where we have seen and felt the disappointment, the disillusionment, the, the enragement because of some religious leaders. So we can understand that this has happened from the beginning of time, even in the time of Jesus. When Jesus sees that the people have no shepherd, he wants to be their shepherd. He wants to be our shepherd. He is the true shepherd. When he sees people that are deaf or mute, like in this in this, the beginning of this read, reading, he comes to them, moved in their heart, in his heart, with compassion for their suffering. He wants to be there for the lepers that we talked about in another episode. He wants to be there in the midst of their their sorrow. So the idea that these guts are moved is a little more expressive. We see that the Pharisees in the face of an amazing action by Jesus of curing a mute man, go sort of into gossip. They don't understand what's happening. And so they turn to insults, to sort of an attack. And this can make us wonder, what do we do when we don't understand something? We have a brain that is two million years old and becomes very defensive with things that we cannot identify as safe, that we cannot label, that we cannot name. So we see the Pharisees acting out of that. This doesn't match anything we've seen, so it must mean it is from the devil. If we look at gossip, the idea that we attack with our tongue someone else, if we look at the actual dictionary definition, is is one that says it's unrestrained conversation reporting about people with details that cannot be confirmed as true. And the point of gossip is to tear someone down, to bring offense and insult to them. So let's ponder, what do we do when we do not understand something? Where we do not understand someone, do we tear them apart? Do we gossip behind their back? That is one of the, the questions that we can that we can see, even if we see some of our our people that are around us, we can come to them and ask them, but not tear them, not tear them apart. Um, Jesus is here as our shepherd. He is here feeling all his feelings, inviting us to feel them also. And 
we can ponder if in our hearts we are aligning our speech, our action, our eyes with what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. Psalm 115 today is a response to the taunt of the people of that time asking of Israel, where is your God? The enemies were asking, where is your God? We're destroying everything. Where is your God? The psalm begins with a praise of God, and it also ends with it. Not today, but if you read the whole the whole psalm. And it compares the uselessness of gods that are made of metal with the true God. The idols have body parts, and the psalm say, says they have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but see not. They have ears, but hear not. Noses, but smell not. Hands, but feel not. Feet, but walk not. Their maker shall be like them, and everyone that trusts in them. That means... They will not be able to speak the truth. Their eyes will not see from a divine perspective. Their ears will not hear the whispers of God. Their noses will not be able to be attuned to what is beautiful in heaven. And their hands and their feet will not be aligned with the work of God. So the comparison is with our God who feels, our God who dwells in us, who walks with us, and the gods that are made of silver and gold that we can see with our eyes and touch with our hands. So they're a lot easier to kind of understand. But our God whispers in our hearts and requires eyes of faith. It requires a silencing and a quieting of our mind, of our crazy monkey mind, so that we can hear the whispers that come when we're able to silence the noises on the outside. The summary of the readings for today is Hosea 8, speaking about kings that were not chosen by God and people who move away from God's ways and the consequences. We continue listening to Hosea speak about that. Psalm 115 is a response to the taunting of enemies that are asking, where is your God? And we can ponder, do we have anyone around us today that is taunting us, that is asking us, where's your God? Because the world has a lot of chaos. And this world is asking for leaders to rise up and point the way of faith, the way of hope, in the way of love. And we can see that a few thousand years ago, this was the same question that was being asked in the middle of even much more turmoil than we, we could ever imagine because people were being sent away as slaves and the cities were being destroyed. And then in Matthew 9, we see first the curing of a mute that causes Pharisees to question if Jesus is doing this by the power of demons. So we can ponder, what do we do when we don't understand something? And do we turn to gossip like the Pharisees to destruction? And then Jesus asking in the most beautiful way to turn hearts because he's moved by pity when he sees the crowd following him that look to him like a flock without a shepherd. <laughs> 